Welcome in, everybody, to the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, the greatest ministry podcast of all time. No Kyle question. and Derek back for another episode. Uh, this one's sponsored by Inno Gear. Inno Gear. The company that makes the stands on the desk for our microphones. Listen, we appreciate Inno Gear because we couldn't do what we do without them. Um, I picked probably one of the cheapest pieces of equipment that we have. Shout out um, to Amazon for providing cheap junk for us. Hey, it's made <laughs> to work. it. It's made it ninety-one episodes. Amen. So we'll take it. Uh, yeah, if you if you only listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio and you aren't aware of all of the painstaking labor that goes into making this podcast happen, uh, we spend minutes. Yeah. Whole minutes setting up our uh, podcasting experience here in yep. the studio, and by studio I mean my office. office. <laughs> uh, it's it's a process that that definitely takes some time. Uh, we've got a crew of hardworking uh, siblings, staff, or, or siblings I that said, works too. <laughs> I said staff wrong. <laughs> that um, that uh, puts long uh, long minutes into. Uh, making this show happen and, and getting it out on uh, audio and on Instagram. So uh, we're appreciative for yeah. the people that uh, support us, the people that supply us with our equipment. Uh, of course, we paid them to supply us with that equipment. So the, the only thing I'm seeing here is we're running out of things to promote. So you just need to buy more stuff for your office. Interesting. On our podcast budget we just have to add that it to our budget for the year of that. you know i wanted to i wanted to note that uh recently we did an episode on youth merch yeah and i am wearing our youth sweatshirt our youth sweatpants and our youth t-shirt all at the same time youth so underwear? i we do not have youth underwear we talked about it and thought that is a bad idea <laughs> so we decided not look to at my it. new merch <laughs> <laughs> that could be a problem. Yep. Nope. That's uh, advertising for that is going to be a little difficult for sure. Uh, so we're not going to do that one. But uh, anyways, uh, quick question today, Derek, what's the most that you have ever worked in a week that you can recall? See, I'm not, I'm not going to cheat like you did. So I'm, I'm going to give I a little I did not ch- cheat. I told the truth. You did tell the truth, but it feels like my answer could be the same. So I'm going to, I'm going to branch out. Oh, well, I'll say real quick before you give what apparently is the only right answer. Thank you. Uh, my Derek was the one that put this question in here. So I went into the show doc and I said that my answer was 168 hours. Which is? All of the hours in a week. Yeah. 24 <laughs> times 7. I Listen, the, the longest mission team that I have ever done with students was 10 days. And that is clearly more than 7. So I had I had 7 days where I worked 168 hours. Well done. Well done, sir. I, I I do I do not intend to illegitimize that because that is a hard, laborious week, but it's a good one. Um, outside of that, because I've also had a seven day mission team that I, I led, um, one of the longest weeks of my life that I can recall um, is I spent one of my summer jobs refinishing gym floors. I think I've mentioned that on the podcast, maybe. Yep. Um, but we worked. 84 hours in a week. Nice. Waking hours, 84 hours. It was horrible. I made a ton of money because after 40 hours, it's overtime and it was uh pain and a half. So made a ton of money that way. But uh it was a long, long, long week. So 
I'm very curious to know what math you're doing in your head. It's uh, Well, I'm trying to figure out, like, in my youth pastor position, because there have been some some crazy weeks, uh, you know, what are, like, an actual work week where I was, you know, in the office working, what's the, what's the most that I've ever worked? So I'm trying to figure out... Uh, does it count if I can count like the hours I worked for both like my job and coaching football? I would say so. All right. Sweet. So Sunday, you got five hours on a Sunday morning for church. Uh, you've got, uh, usually it ends up being about two and a half for our high school Bible study on Sunday night. Monday, I'm in the office from, we'll call it eight to two, just to give it a round number. So that's six. That's six hours plus three for football practice, plus probably another two uh, after after football practice. Uh, Tuesday, same thing, six plus three plus two. Thursday, same thing, six plus three plus two. Wednesday, we'll come in a little late Wednesday. I probably came in at 10. So that's only five hours plus three for football. Plus I'm here until maybe 930. Mm -hmm. So that's another four hours there. Man, that's a lot of hours. Talk about something so I can do some math quick. I'll just, I'll pull out my calculator to to do that for you. But if you want to go, uh, you know, or I, or I could just bring my son Ellis in here. He could add it up for you too. Um, he's kind of a savant when it comes to to numbers. I think that I think that's a word, right? Savant's like a genius with numbers. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Let me look it up. Uh, going back to Noah Webster, great friend of the show. Great friend of the show. Um, a savant is a very learned or talented person, especially one distinguished in a particular field of science or the arts. Second definition. Not Kyle Besh or Derek Mum. So, uh, yeah, I would say it's a pretty, pretty on par. And this is what I love about when you do math is uh, that could have easily been like a insult that backfired, but you're too focused to to do that. So, 100%. Yeah. It feels pretty good. Did you take Saturday off on this week that you were calculating? No, because I remember the week that I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, and we had, I, I trying to remember. We we had something going on. No, I got tallies here. I don't need a calculator. I don't trust technology. See, can, can, I want to go back to high school for just a second. To all of the times my math teacher was like, you got to know how to do this stuff because when you get older, you're not going to have access to a calculator. Like That's such a lie. Like, like we live in a calculator world. So, and like all these complex equations, you can just... Use AI for that. Hundred percent. So adding in Friday and Saturday because we got we got a football game Friday night. Uh, we got uh, we had a youth event that Saturday. Uh, so I think I'm right around between seventy five and eighty hours. Out of boy. Uh, if if my math is correct. How do so. you? Nailed it. That also I did not include uh, watching film for football. Yeah, because that's definitely a thing as well. So today on the podcast, we're talking about why you should feel bad for us and how you can make us feel better. Money. Episode 91. Oh, is that not how you can make us feel better? Uh, I mean, I'd enjoy some more money. That'd yeah, awesome. sure. Why not? Uh, no, we're going to do uh, we're gonna do kind of a funny two-part series here. Um, why is it funny? 
because part one is, hey, youth pastors, you're doing too much. And part two, next You're going to have to wait and find out. Right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> part two is going to be, you're not doing enough. Yeah. Uh, because I think that for a lot of youth pastors... Pretty much every youth pastor falls into one of those two categories, but yeah. I think a lot of them actually fall into both. For sure. Somehow. Uh, also, before we dive in to the actual content, eight and a half minutes in. Hey, we're uh, ahead of schedule. We want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving because today is Thanksgiving, or at least the day that the episode is releasing. It might not be when you're listening to it, but uh, we're hoping that uh, you are just stuffing all of your stomachs full of so much food wow. that it is You totally unhealthy. missed an opportunity to be a dad pun or uh, to throw I a did. dad joke in there. You're right. So I think I think it's uh, pertinent to just kind of throw this out there. Stuffing is elite. Cranberries are terrible. And turkey's overrated. So wow. happy um, Thanksgiving. Dark meat is still awesome. Perfect. On on the turkey. Love love I just I just grab one of the legs and and that's what I that is what I want to eat. Um, that's that's well the done. preference. Uh, real quick, Derek, because we're recording this in advance, and so once everybody listens to this episode, they can just mock at our inaccuracy. <clears throat> um, three Thanksgiving Day football games. Yeah. Green Bay at Detroit. Who you got? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Detroit by a landslide. Feels like an easy Detroit. Washington at Dallas. Ooh, Dallas. Dallas always turns it on on yep. Thanksgiving. Uh, San Francisco at Seattle. Oh, that's just, ooh, Niners. Yeah, I think I'm in agreement. Assuming Christian McCaffrey doesn't blow an ACL and we... Oh, he's on my fantasy team, so he won't. Perfect. He will just be awesome. All right, Derek. Hi. We're doing too much. Yes, we are. Right? Like, can I, can I, can I, t- this is your episode. This is my episode. I'm not sure this episode is it, but I'm going to take it anyway. Here's what I'm going to say. I know after six and a half years of blissful, amazing vocational ministry, one thing that is really stinking hard is finding a healthy emphasis on the healthy balance within the church and within like what you do. Because as you alluded to, Kyle, there really are two spectrums that I think every pastor can empathize with and feel, which is the first spectrum is I'm doing too little right? Like these are the people that feel like I walk into the office and I just got to twiddle my thumbs and find something to do because I'm not like, there's not a whole lot. Um, this, this is where the jokes of you only work on Sunday and Wednesdays kind of have a little bit of legitimacy where you're sitting here going like, I, I prepared my message for Wednesday and I got nothing to do now. Or the other side is I am doing way too Munch, munch. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overextended. I'm submerged in the in the very thing that I can't possibly get out of. Uh, I don't have time to add anything else to my plate. And not that either one is enjoyable, but as someone who's kind of been parked in this doing too much camp for a while now, I can say it's not super fun to just be that overwhelmed to be that uh, submerged. So. We're going to talk about what you do when you're doing too much, how you can fix it. And if you're sitting there going, I don't know if I'm doing too much, we're also going to talk about some signs that you might be doing too much. 
Yeah, and then at the end, I'm going to kind of share a little bit about uh, the. You know, this episode was uh, in part born out of a situation that that I'm in right now, Uh, and and it's a unique situation. And and I'll just tease it with this: Uh, just because you're doing too much, or there's more that you want to do that you're not doing, uh, it doesn't mean that you know you're you're doing a bunch of bad stuff. Right. You know, it's possible that everything you're doing plus what you want to do is all good. Yeah. Uh, you just got to kind of figure out how that works. And so, uh, if you're doing too much, it might look like a couple of different things. Uh, one of the signs that you might be doing too much is that most ministry tasks feel like work. Now, there are some things for some people in ministry specifically that it just is always going to feel like work. Mm-hmm. There are people who are not administrative and doing some administrative tasks. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It's going to drain you. Yep. There are other people where the, uh, you know, they, they love, for example, getting up in front of people, but some of the, you know, study and prep stuff is, is a little bit more draining on them. Uh, depending on who you are, it's going to look different. Uh, you have to balance, you know, the, oh, this is something that drains me. Okay. I'm going to piggyback off of that and schedule to do today is something that I, you know, gives me life. Yeah. And and I think we've talked about that on the, on a, the podcast before where there's some things that, that give you life, some things that drain you. You got to balance that out in order to have a healthy work schedule. But if you get to the point where, even some of the things that used to give you life now feel like work and they, they, they feel like they're draining you, uh, that that's a problem. Yeah. It's indicative that you have so much you got going on. You can't find joy because you know what awaits you. Yep. Another thing that I think this one's, uh, frankly, a really dangerous spot to be in, uh, but it's when your spiritual life feels dry and non-existent. Um, you know, here's here's what I've noticed. It's really easy to get in this kind of a mantra. You know, you you go into the office and, and you you prepare a sermon, you look at commentaries, you 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 take the exegesis of the text very, very seriously. You look for the context, you look and you look at your sermon, and you go, How can I make sure this applies to the people that are, are gonna be hearing it? You do all of this in-depth, really, really good spiritual activity, we're going to call it, you know, and uh, to kind of rip off Paul's words of milk versus meat, you are preparing a very rich meal for your congregation, for your students, whoever it is. But what that does is after a while, then you start surviving on chips, beef jerky, and zebra cakes for your own personal spiritual development. Um, You made a note in your Kyle that I shouldn't shame beef jerky uh, or zebra cakes, but no, no, no. Zebra cakes are are fine to be shamed. I'm not a zebra cake fan, uh, but in my mind, zebra cakes falls into a category of like there. There's a shelf in every grocery store that if the apocalypse happened twenty years from now, we could still go to that shelf and the food would still be good. Sure, zebra cakes in my mind is on that shelf, but the king of the shelf. And the best tasting thing on that shelf incorrect. are the are the cosmic brownies. No, that's for incorrect. sure. No, at least the most nostalgic. Okay, cosmic brownies are trash. They just well, the are. whole shelf is trash. 
<laughs> no, I mean, they're, like, they're they taste items, like trash. They are food items that will last 20 years. Of course it tastes like trash. I'm saying that the Cosmic Brownies are the best of the bunch. They're the most nostalgic. They had the highest trade value in the school lunchroom. That's so true, though. And I... To this day, we'll fight for there, them. There's a meme floating around of my ideal dinner, and it's a plate of macaroni and cheese, dinosaur nuggets, cosmic brownies, and a glass of chocolate milk. And like that, no, no, you, no not a glass of chocolate milk. It's got to be like in those little, you know, cardboard, one or, like one pint cardboard. <laughs> it looks like the house, and you you got to peel it back, but it never works. No. So you end up just mutilating the top of it in order to get it open. <laughs> or you make the mistake of opening the other end, and then the whole thing opens up, and yep, you have to hundred like, percent. You're yeah. like. It's like the whole open square and you're trying to like pour it into your mouth to take a drink and it spills all over you. You know, when I drove to your church today to record this episode, I'd never thought this was going <laughs> to... I'm also... I'm just... We're, we're giving Tucker some really good material for the out of context posts. As, as someone who listens to podcasts pretty exclusively either in AirPods or in my truck when the volume is really high, you're going to be sitting here listening all of a sudden... Cosmic Brown. Listen, I gotta give shout outs to to our entire support staff here. One, uh n- great friend of the show, Nathan. He's our audio engineer. He great takes, friend of the show. He takes the episode audio and works his magic on it so that it doesn't like just dramatically spike to the point where it's gonna deafen you in your car. Yeah. So we appreciate what Nathan does. On the other side, great friend of the show, Tucker. Great friend of the show. <laughs> great friend of the show, Tucker. He's the one that takes the video. Video and turns it into little clips for our Instagram page, how not underscore YP. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Go give it a follow because we need to boost our self esteem. Uh, we. Uh, on those uh, on that account, he will also take each episode and make a an out of context post where he'll take all the little things. Like if you look at the images that he procures for that post, it's like the most random things that we talked about for that episode. And There's so a lot of them. <laughs> I'm super excited already for him to put that post together for this episode because it is going to be the wildest thing you've oh, ever it's seen. Gonna be, it's going to be fun. To quote the youths, I, I think they would say that it will be out of pocket. It will be. Nailed it. And we're out of pocket for saying out of pocket. Oh, well, our goal as youth pastors, I don't know if other youth pastors have this goal. I just want to use all of the phrasing and slang so that it makes it uncool. Yep, absolutely. I'm so down for that. I find so much joy in doing that. Can I get back to my point now? Yeah, where were Fantastic. we? Fantastic. Okay, your spiritual life is dry and non-existent. Like uh, beef jerky. Yep. Well, exactly. it's dry, but it's it's non-existent after I eat it. Sorry. Well Anyways. done. Well done. <laughs> That's like, okay. The reason I didn't anticipate this being a whole discussion, but like That's good. We're still on beef jerky. It it's is I have noticed this as someone who has has fallen into this trap. You do so much good solid work to prepare something that is rich and spiritually substantial, but we don't put that same effort into growing in believers of Christ ourselves. So Wow, nice. It is one of those things where like literally I have found it where you have youth pastors who are digging into commentaries, looking at the exegesis, looking at the context, but we're surviving on daily verses, verses of the day, nothing against them, but like if that's all you're reading for your own personal <laughs> yeah, self, not you're 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 not you're not gonna grow. If if your prayer time is relegated to 
just praying quickly before things, you're not going to have that intimacy with Jesus that you need. Uh, if if and this is this is the the scariest one. I have noticed I have been in Bible plans yet not grown because I'm not yeah. reading it for God to speak to me. I'm reading it to hit the button to cross it off to do it. You know, and and that's where it's like if we are not careful, we can fall into leadership roles where we are dry and and lifeless in our spiritual walk and you can still have a successful ministry with it for a time until you can't and then the whole house of cards come rushing down so if you are uh you know a a friend of mine a mentor of mine said this you can't give what you don't have if you're dry and you're and you are not growing you can't give after a while a sermon, a teaching, a education that is spiritually rich. Uh, and on top of that, your soul is going to suffer, you know? And so a sign you might be doing too much is when your spiritual walk is not in line with what you are leading out of. Yep. Uh, that's, I mean, I got nothing else to add to that. You kind of summed it up. I think that, uh, I, I love that line. You can't give what you don't have. Like you, your ministry should be an overflowing of what God is doing in your own life, not your ministry is overflowing and and your personal Good. life gets the extras. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we move on, I need to give one last shout out to good friend of the show, Oberto. Great Beef jerky. friend of the show. Great Oberto. friend of the show. Oh boy, oh boy Oberto. Uh, they make some great beef jerky over there um, in Seattle, Washington. Uh, or yeah, it actually is made in Seattle, Washington, but, uh, basically anything Costco sells, uh, at that price is a win. (laughs) Um, all right. Next, uh, next sign that you might be doing too much, um, anything new that comes up, uh, that comes across your desk, your initial reaction is automatically no. Uh, you know, when you are stretched too thin, when you've got too much going on, you feel like you cannot say yes to anything. And I think that, uh, the good illustration, not original to us because it's good and it's smart. So therefore it's probably not original to us. Amen. Uh, we, we love it though. The idea that, uh, something, something new, something, something might come, come up as a leader, that is, uh, you gauge it on the scale of urgent and important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this sounds like something that John Maxwell or Craig Rochelle probably have, have talked at length about. It's like a grid, right? Before. Right. And, and so, you know, something comes up, if it's not urgent and it's not important, then, you Doesn't know, pass happen. it, like, like get rid of it, pass mm-hmm. it off to somebody else, get rid of it. Uh, if it's important and urgent, you need to deal with it right? If it's important, but it's not urgent, then maybe you can find a way to, you know, delegate it or, or, you know, you know, you can do it yourself, just not at this moment. If we, if we see things that are not important, but they're urgent, those are the things that, that need to need to need to be passed off to somebody else. Now, the problem is that we see things that are urgent, but not important and we're like, oh, well, I, I just need to do this yeah. right away. And I just need to do that right away. And and that becomes where our focus is. And even though it's not important, we see it as urgent. Therefore, we do it right away. Yep. And you, you look like you got something here. I do. I am so excited for this, Kyle. You were wrong. It is not Craig Rochelle. What else is new? Or 
John Maxwell. This grid we're referencing to is called the Eisenhower Matrix. Like the president? From Dwight Eisenhower. Yeah, baby. He is the one who coined this. So Wow, great friend of the show, Dwight D. Eisenhower. <laughs> um, I thought it was K. Dwight K. Oh, never mind. That's a different Dwight. That's that's Dwight K. Schrute. <laughs> um, what Do you want to look up for me what the D in Dwight D. Eisenhower sure. stands for? Uh, almost 100% confident that his middle name starts with a D. Uh, I mean, it's Dwight D. Eisenhower. Like, so. Well, I mean, it sounds right in my head, but I'm not 100% confident that it actually is Dwight D. Eisenhower. I mean, for all I know, it's Dwight L. Eisenhower. D sounds right, though. Um, David. There it is. Dwight David Eisenhower. Man, he overcame a lot on the playground to be president of the United States. He sure did. He sure did. Parents, The Office was a great show. Eisenhower, I actually I don't even know if he was a great president or not. No clue. But uh, don't name your kids Dwight. No. <laughs> That's your main If you're out there named the Dwight, man, we props love you. to you. You're, you are, by association, a good friend of the show. Yep. Amen. Uh, but maybe start going by your real name. All right. Anyways. Another sign you are doing too much. When you are gone, unexpectedly or expectedly, realistically, it throws your entire ministry into a tizzy. Yep. Thank you for using the word that you typed into the show doc. Uh, I I wrote in the show doc 1996 called They Want Their Word Tizzy back. is so not 1996, okay? It's, You're it's, right. It's, I looked it up. <laughs> and when do you think that good friend of the show, Noah Webster, first picked up use of the word tizzy? Well, that's not fair. That, 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 that's... When did it... 1972. No, okay. first of all. Dang it. When did Tizzy enter the I dictionary? thought you looked it up already. Well, you want a a legitimate... Wow, the Oxford English Dictionary records uh, the phrase being used as early... Oh, no, that's a different phrase. Sorry. Uh, the, the 1930s. Wow. First known, go. according to our good friend of the show, Noah Webster, first known use of Tizzy hey. was in 1935. That's fine. That's... Then the third were sophisticated. I'm fine with that. I feel good about it being 1930. Come 1930s on. 1930s was the Great Depression. Well, <laughs> what do you mean it was sophisticated? <laughs> People in the 30s dressed in suits. You're thinking 1920s. 1920s was like oh, Great yeah. Gatsby. <laughs> That's right. Right. That's <laughs> legit. 1930s was the Dust Bowl. All right. We don't want to revisit the 30s. Oh. Anyways, uh, despite Derek's uh, misguided use of the word tizzy. I do think that uh, he's got some accurate truth uh, in what he's saying. You know, there's there's going to be times where you as a youth pastor, uh, you feel like you need to be doing something because you're the one in charge. Yep. You're the one that gets paid to do this. Everybody, all your volunteers don't get paid to be there, I hope. If you pay your youth volunteers, why? They're not volunteers. They're not volunteers, I guess. That's a good point. Uh you know what? This is a side tangent, but how do you feel about the churches that pay their worship team members? Because there's there's churches that'll pay their worship team members like up to four hundred. I've seen four hundred bucks a Sunday. I think there's a lot of circumstances and variables, but I don't know, man. I that's a, that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. I I maybe it's because I don't work at a church that has the money to do that. Uh, but anyways, um, I there's there's a lot of times where what you are doing can be done 
at least 80% as well as you are doing it Mm -hmm. by somebody else if you take the time to train them. And that is going to free up a little bit more margin in your schedule to maybe focus on things that are less urgent and more important. Yeah. And what where I've really, if you really want to see effectively how this works for you, like just disappear. Like not like long term, but like we're not advocating for uh, just leaving your family and disappearing for a month. A realistic, a realistic kind of scenario that you could see is happening is if you get very ill. Oh, night. I was gonna say you get sequestered on jury duty. <laughs> oh. That's a little bit less depressing. That, that is less depressing. But like, and I'm not talking like ill, ill. But I'm talking like, okay, you have food poisoning and you physically can't stand sure. and deliver a message. You know, so like you have to hand it off to your team on a, at at the midnight hour. You know, it, it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes over. If it's a complete dumpster fire and stuff is going terrible, maybe it means you gotta have some systems in place. Maybe it means your your leaders gotta be prepared for for that thing. You know, and so. When the ministry just kind of falls apart in your absence, it's a sign that there's too much on your plate and too much on your shoulders. Yeah, I've always said that the one of the marks of a good leader is how things function when they're not there. Mm-hmm. And I think that you you have to caveat that with uh, you know, on a short-term basis. Yeah. If things if if you as the leader are gone for a year mm-hmm. and nothing is different then that's probably a problem. Sure. <laughs> you know, you as the lead, you weren't doing enough to dictate vision. You were not pushing things hard enough. I don't know. Mm. But if if you are gone for a month and things can still function without you and you've got people in place that can step up just yep. for a month, uh, I think that that is much more healthy. Totally. Another sign you're doing too much uh, is you find yourself rushing Every single day by default, you rush from meeting to meeting. You rush from task to task. You rush home. You rush to the office. You are just constantly in this state of go, 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 and you have no time to rest. Uh, I would say this is a huge contributing factor to if you feel like your spiritual life is dry, it's probably because you're rushing too much, and it's probably because you don't have the capacity to be still and hear from the Lord and just take that time with him. So if you're just rushing and rushing and rushing, and here's what I'll help say, Kyle, you and I both have kids. You and I both have what I would consider jobs outside of the office. You coach football. I coach track. Um, you know, we do various things. It's normal to be hectic and chaotic, but when your natural default status of your life is rushing, that's when you're probably doing too much. Yep. I have, uh, I have some former youth leaders that uh, they would go through, I'd watch them go through seasons where they had three kids and their kids were all in like 12 different activities Mm -hmm. and they were rushing everywhere to the point where like they didn't have time to even come to church, let alone be youth leaders. So they would, and then they would like hit the reset button, take their kids out of everything, stop all of their volunteering uh, and there'd be a season where they'd do that. And then slowly you would watch all these other activities start to get added back in to the point where they weren't coming to church because mm-hmm. they were, you know, at this point they weren't youth leaders, but because, uh, because they had, you know, 
stepped out of everything. Uh, and, and then they'd start adding things back in until they were so busy that they had no time for anything. And then they'd cut it all out again. And you watch this pattern like, oh my goodness, like there's got to be some balance you got to find in there somewhere. Um, another sign that uh, you are maybe doing a little bit too much, uh, you begin compromising on what you're called to do or, or what you love to do for what you feel like you have to do. And I think this comes back to that urgent versus important matrix uh, from Mr. Eisenhower. Uh, one of the examples you could look at biblically would be the example of Moses and Jethro, where Moses is tasked with leading the Israelites. He's called to lead the Israelites and he can't effectively lead the Israelites because he spends every waking hour of his day judging yeah. little minute, uh, you know, quarrels. There's a word we don't use enough. Uh, thank you, Mr. Webster. Uh, little quarrels that the Israelites are having. He's spending, he's the only one that is settling these disputes. And, and his father-in-law Jethro kind of smacks him upside the head. Like, Hey, you need to train other people underneath you so that they can hear from the Lord as well, that they can be the ones judging these little things so that instead of you figuring out where the property line between Bob and Joe is supposed to be, that was a terrible use of uh, historic ancient is Israelite names. Uh, <laughs> you you you're not the one judging between Shadrach and Meshach where the where the property line is. Let somebody else do that so that it frees you up to be the actual visionary leader yeah. of the Israelites. Yeah. Yeah. Are you about to make fun of me? Uh, kind of. Okay. Any guesses on when quarrels was well, first used? <laughs> I I knew that's where this was going because as soon as I said quarrels, Derek's over here. He starts typing. Uh, uh, can I get language of origin, please? Uh, no. Eighteen hundred was when it was first used in print. Wow, that's so, uh, that's impressive. Which is actually impressive. Uh, so real quick, because I used there's nothing the, quick about this episode. <laughs> this episode <laughs> is tangent city. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. The last last few episodes have been just awesome. Uh, oh no, the the beef jerky tangent was still this episode. <laughs> That's my point. That's my point. Oh no, uh, no. So I because I said the phrase, uh, "Can you use it in a sentence?" Um, so for some reason, the elementary school that I went to growing up was a pipeline to the Scripps National Spelling Bee. We had three different students go to the National Spelling Bee wow. straight over a period of, I think it was, you know, it would have been like four or five years. Cause oh like there was gosh. like one or two of them went multiple times, but it was three different kids. Uh, and one of the, I think it was the first girl, I believe her name was Kat. And so good friend of the show, shout out to Kat. Uh, she, K-A-T or C-A-T? I think it was K-A-T. It was short for Catherine. Sure. She went by Kat. Uh, but she actually kind of became a, you know, viral national sensation because she didn't win. I think she was top 15 or top 10 even, but, uh, she got a word given to her and she goes through the whole, like, uh, you know, can you, can you use that in a sentence, uh -huh. please? Uh, kind of the language of origin, all the questions they ask. And she finally gets to the point. She's like, can I have a different word, please? <laughs> Uh, just just breaks through the humor and the place just erupts in laughter. It was so funny. And to her credit, she actually got the word right. Uh, and so that would that made the moment better. Yeah. Uh, but oh man, that was it was hilarious. 
Well done to Cap. And we got to like basically pause school every, you know, oh, yeah. and, and just watch the spelling. Which bee. you're so always a fan. That was of. a win. All right, Kyle. I think I think that's everything. Oh, one more thing. The holy buckets. We we have a lot <laughs> here. The last <laughs> thing that you're even. doing too much is you start a podcast and have multiple tangents. Yeah. Um. No. Okay. In all seriousness, last thing that, and this is probably the one that's probably most relevant, is when your personal life molds into your work life. Your identity becomes wrapped up in what you do as a pastor or a leader or whatever it is, and there is no there is no separation between what you have to do at work and what you carry home with you. And it impacts your family. It impacts how you interact with your kids. It impacts your mental health. It impacts your soul. And uh, you just have to kind of have that, that distinction. So fortunately for you, as Kyle alluded to, this is something that, that he's currently walking through uh, something that I've walked through in depth. And so uh, we have a lot of just things that we think are helpful. If you're sitting here going, Yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. Yep, yep, yep. Here are some things that we have personally experienced that help you kind of traverse uh, uh, this this season of just doing too much. And so the first one is this. You got to ask for help. Uh, and I, I, I pre- preached a message on this not long ago, uh, but when you look at Exodus chapter 17, the story of uh, Moses on the top of the mountain, when, he's, when his hands are up, Israelite wins. Or, when the, his hands are down, they start getting decimated. Aaron and her kind of come up and hold up each hand so that he can continue to do that. Uh, what I had mentioned in my message is when you fail to ask for help, it's really pride in reverse. Because by failing to ask for help, what you're saying is I can handle this on my own. I can, I can muster this on my own. And that's pride in reverse. And so when you are swallowed up by your schedule, when you're swallowed up by the demands that you have upon you, you have to understand that you're probably in a spot that you cannot get out from underneath this on your own power. So you have to ask for help. And that might be a mentor, that might be a leader, that might be friends, but you have to ask for help and say, I have too much going on. Help me sort through this. Yeah, I think that uh, another good example or another good kind of nugget on that, uh, we just did uh, this past fall with our fall retreat that we do with our youth students. Uh, we preached through some big moments in Moses's life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this, situ- in this specific situation, Aaron uh, fulfilled a great ask for help mm-hmm. from Moses. By and large, Aaron was not helpful to Moses. Uh, Moses was called by God to lead the Israelites. Moses made so many excuses uh, on how he maybe shouldn't be the one God called to the point where God said, fine, your brother Aaron can go with you. Uh, But just because God said, okay, in that moment doesn't mean that, you know, God ordained that was God's first choice. Mm -hmm. Like Aaron was the one that uh, made a golden calf for the people five seconds after Moses left. Aaron led an open rebellion against Moses. Like Aaron was a problem Mm -hmm. throughout Moses's life. Now in this situation, he, he was actually helpful. But I would encourage you, if you are asking for help, ask in the right places. There are people around you that are equipped uh, to to help, and there are people that uh, maybe not so much. And if you truly want to find help with that, you have to be 
utterly transparent. You can't just tell, like if you're asking for legitimate help to get out from underneath this, you have to be honest with what's really going on and what you really feel. Because if you are not open and honest with some of the struggles that you are plagued with, they're not going to be able to really get to the root of the issue. If you just say, hey, I'm doing too much, like they might help you try and take some things off your plate. But if you're saying, I'm doing too much and this is what it, this is the problem that it's having in my life, they're, they're going to meet the need temporarily. But here's what I've learned about ministry. Just because you take two things off your plate doesn't mean two other things are going to fall aren't going to fall back onto your plate. You know, cool. You can hand off those two things to your associate staff or to an elder or to a deacon or to a friend, whatever that is. But in ministry, there's always other things that are trying to be put on your plate, good or bad. And so if you don't address the root of it, which there are some patterns in my life, there are some thought processes in my life that have got me to this point. If you don't address those, you're just going to have the same problem two weeks later, two months later, whatever that looks like. So you need to be transparent and honest with not just why you're overworked or overwhelmed, but what that's doing to in your personal life so that you can get back healthy again as a person so you can be a healthy leader. Um, Before we move on, I would just like to make a note that the name Her, which I believe is spelled H-U-R, on the rise in popularity. Wow. He's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible, is he? That I can recall. Not, I I don't know. I'm not confident at all in my answer, but I don't believe so. Uh, so yeah, name your kid her. Um, I won't be. No, <laughs> other people might. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, where are we at? Um, option number three. Maybe not option. I don't want to phrase it like that. These are maybe all things that should be done. Yep. This isn't like a pick one and ignore the rest. Yeah. Uh, but spend time with the Lord uh, for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that uh, several of the problems and signs that we mentioned above, uh, well, not above, before, were that you can look at them as products of your personal time with the Lord not being where it needs to be. Like mm-hmm. we said before, you know, your ministry should overflow from your walk, not the other way around. And so get back into some of those basics, uh, schedule it if you have to, uh, you know, we, I, I've mentioned this on the, on the podcast before, but our youth ministry is going through a Bible reading plan that takes a thousand days to get through, Yeah, but it's been awesome because my wife and I can read it and, and actually we like, we'll read today's reading, but then go study it and, and yeah. read other sources. Cause it doesn't take very long to read, but then we can dwell on it and study it and talk about it. Uh, versus, Oh, I've got to read 12 chapters today. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's less exciting. Uh, and, and so whatever it looks like for you, uh, you've got to find ways to get back into the Lord's presence just for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's a little nugget. Like I, I'm not sure how you feel about this, Kyle, but you know, I've, one thing I've kind of tried to ascertain throughout this, these, these seasons where you feel dry, you feel overworked. Like it can be hard when you have kids and you have schedules and you have stuff at home. Like it's, Sometimes, despite your best efforts, you just can't schedule that quality time unless you get up at 
3.30 in the morning, you know, or whatever it is. And so there are even times, I don't do this every single day, but there are times in which it's like I get out the door and I feel frantic, I feel rushed, I had no time with the Lord at all this morning. So I get into my office and before I even do anything, I just sit down and I just I just, I just, open the Word for a little bit, I pray. Sometimes that's for 10 minutes, sometimes that's for 45 minutes. It just depends. But this whole mantra of when you're in the office, that's the Lord's time for you to do ministry, I think is can be overused and it's kind of bogus in some capacity. Now, if you're only using work time to do your spiritual development, that's a different conversation. But I'm talking about when you're in a hectic season of life, when your personal time is incredibly limited anyway, schedule time throughout your work day to spend time for you and your walk with the Lord. And that can really can help create some margin for you. Absolutely. Uh, this is the fourth, fourth uh, thing on how, maybe how to, help with, uh, with doing too much, say no, uh, maybe even to some things that you have said yes to say, say no to things you haven't answered yet Mm -hmm. and say no to things that you've said yes to. Uh, if you're doing too much, you need to scale back in order to be doing the right amount. And so that might start with, uh, circling back and revisiting some of the things you've said yes to in the past. Uh, is there something that is not urgent or important that I do every week? All right. Maybe I could pass that along to somebody else. Maybe it doesn't need to get done at all. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's an event that you do, that your church does, that your ministry does, that you want to take a second look at to see, yeah, is this something that I actually want to do? Or is this something that, yeah, you know, we're, we're okay. We, we've done this and it was a good event. You can acknowledge that, but also recognizing in this next season that we're walking into, yeah, you know, we don't need to do this event anymore. Those conversations aren't fun, but you've got to ask, okay, what's what's best for me right now? What's best for our church? Where is God leading us? It's okay to have an event that you've done for years, maybe mm-hmm. decades, even yeah. that you say this was great for a season, but we're stepping into something new. Yep, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like yeah, that's, yep. you just have to be okay with them not being okay with that. Right. And then the, the flip side of that is, okay, if we're, if we're going to take a second look at some of the things that we do, some of the things I do, just saying no would be one option. Offloading that onto somebody else would be another option. And so doing some planning to say, I'm going to train up this volunteer to do this instead. Yeah. Or I'm going to just task this person with, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of like, you got churches that, uh, for Easter, we're going to do a big Easter egg hunt. We're going to put a bunch of, uh, signs out around the community. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing for somebody else in your church Absolutely. to go drive around and do, yep. and then go drive around and pick them all up because we don't want to litter. Uh, but, uh, that, you know, those are some of the things that you do not have to do. There are people in your church that would love to serve in that way. And you have to plan ahead though. You know, like that, yeah. like that that's the thing is it's the old adage of like if you wait to drink until you're thirsty you're you're you're, you're toast you're you're dehydrated by the time you wait for that you have to have the forethought and that's that's what's that's what's tough when you're overworked is planning ahead's really tough you know because you're so focused on the immediate what what do I need to do right now you don't even have margin or mental mental capacity to think about what's ahead but the yep. reality is like you need to think ahead how you can offload things so you don't get this again in the future. It just reminds me, I love that story you mentioned about like the family of like busy, 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 scale everything back. 
and then busy, busy. Like that just that will be your cycle unless you plan for concrete, legitimate safeguards to keep you from that in the future. Yeah. And and be willing to slow down when something new comes up. Yeah. And evaluate how much time is this going to take? You yeah. Know, what what am I committing to? Do I have the margin for this? Is the do I have to say do I now have to say no to something else mm-hmm. in order to add this? Is it more important than that? Yep. Uh, to me, some of those things. Yeah. Um, I want to kind of end this episode just kind of talking a little bit about the situation I currently find myself in. One, because I think practical uh, examples and, and real world examples can be really beneficial to people, but also uh, this was kind of, you know, in, in part where this episode came from. Uh, to give you a peek into kind of my schedule, which this is another random piece of information that if you're a youth pastor out there, this hopefully it's beneficial just to see what somebody's schedule looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Monday is all Gaga ball training. Um, <laughs> Tuesday's Mario Kart. Uh, Wednesday's Smash Bros. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so obviously Sunday is a work day. You know my my work week is essentially Sunday through Thursday. Yep. Friday and Saturday is my weekend. Uh, so Sunday is a work day. Sunday morning I am here at church. Uh, during the school year we do a a middle school class on Sunday mornings during one of the services, uh, and so I teach that. Um, yeah, I'll just go through a normal week. Sunday nights during the school year, we have a high school Bible study mm-hmm. uh, that we do. And so uh, Mondays is my primary sermon prep day. Uh, Tuesdays, we have our staff meetings. So that takes up you know a large portion of the day. Uh, sometimes something will come out of that that I've got to work on. Uh, Wednesdays, I'm getting stuff ready for Wednesday nights. Uh, I'll spend a little bit of time kind of, you know, prepping my, my sermon, um, you know, peel back the curtain. Derek and I record every other Thursday typically. And so Wednesdays, uh, you know, I'll usually do some podcast work if, if it's that week. Um, Thursdays is more of my big picture day. Uh, I will look at usually Thursdays I will use to prep for the high school Bible study the coming Sunday, uh, you know, doing some of those things. And so the reason that I bring that all up is I recognized a couple things. One, our high school Bible study on Sunday nights and our middle school class on Sunday mornings. If I was not there, they didn't happen. And I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And so I have worked with, uh, you know, I have one of our young adults who is a youth leader. He and I have had some conversations. He is coming on to help lead our middle school class. Uh, and then I'm also working with uh, somebody to kind of bring alongside to help with our, our high school stuff on Sunday nights Good uh, to help spread that out so that I am not, even if I'm still there, if I'm not the one primarily leading it, yep. uh, that can that can be a win in kind of the margin of my schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can't be there for some reason, you know, it doesn't just crumble. It right. still happens, which yep. I think is really valuable. Um, the other thing is that like in the summer, we have two mission teams that we do and we have summer camp. Yep. I am, I'm seeing in our youth ministry, I'm starting to see a real, um, desire and a real want and need for a third mission team. Mm. Something that is, you know, out of the region, but not out of the country. Sure. Uh, you know, a little bit scaled back from the international trip that we do. I, I'm really starting to see that that could be something that we could do and do yeah. well. I already don't go to camp because we have two other mission teams I do yeah. in the same summer. You have a family and a wife that you can't be away from for a month straight. Right. 
And mm-hmm. so doing a third mission team is not something I have the capacity for. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I'm seeing is that we have some students that I think are ready for, I don't know that I need to label it a student leadership team, but they're ready for a next level. Yep. And I want to kind of pour into that. Yeah. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to even, you know, get a part-time or, or full-time, get, get another youth pastor in here uh, to really take the, what we're doing to the next level. But at the same time, and we talked about this before, like we are in a senior pastor transition. You can't hire a, a staff member when you're in a senior pastor transition. Right. That's just not how that works. Yep. And so I, everything that I am doing and I want to do is good mm-hmm. and I like it, mm-hmm. but I have, I'm recognizing that I have to push pause on some good things just because I can't outstretch myself right now. Yep. And, and we're just, we're going to, we're going to push pause on these things until we, we have the right things in place to actually sustain them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when that's going to be, you know, maybe a new pastor comes in here and, you know, we look at things and like, Hey, it's not a priority to hire another youth pastor. We just don't have the finances, whatever it is. Uh, all right, then I've got to make some adjustments or I've got to continue to put these things on hold. I don't know, but we'll see. And I would say that's a really tough thing to do. I would say it's heartbreaking to do. People think that putting like not think, but when you put pause, it's, you you know you're on borrowed time, you know, because you only have at most we talked about this six years, you know. So when you have to put pause, you feel like there's something that you should be doing. You feel like it's you're letting them down to some capacity. However, this is what we're trying to say. The problem is, is if you get overextended, you have to scale everything back. It's not just you have to say no to this things. You have to say no to everything because you are burnt out. Yeah, if I say yes to one or both of these things. A couple years from now, I'm going to have to say no to probably these things and five or six other things that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. On top of the fact that, you know, there's all kinds of personal things that could arise that, you know, are, are problematic, you know? So it's, it's incredibly hard to hit pause. And that, that's like what we want to talk about. This is lean into that discomfort, lean into like that, that uncomfortable feeling of, I feel like I and letting somebody down by hitting pause. You're not, you know, like, because it it goes back to what we talked about last episode. The thing of it is, is sometimes by you hitting pause, someone naturally rises above because they see the need as well. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, I have margin. So let me step up. Whether that's a student, whether that's a youth leader, there are people that are are, going to sit here and go, we need to do this. And you're going to sit here and go, I can't, would you? And they're going to go, sure. I'll do it, you know? And now, not only is it happening, but now they're stepping into something God has for them, you know? And so it's tough to do, but I think having the forethought and the foresight to see the big picture is critical for that for that decision. Yeah, I love it. That about does it for today's episode. Tune back in next week to talk about how you're not doing enough right after we talked about how you're doing too much. Um, on behalf of Derek, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. I think it's about it's about lunchtime, Derek, so I mm-hmm. think we should uh, probably find some cosmic brownies. Goodbye. Goodbye.